Let's pray. Father God, I pray that in this time you would focus my heart and my mind to you and to your spirit. For all of us, that we would all focus our hearts and minds to you. Pray that you would keep me from error, that you would forgive my sins, that you would extend your grace to us. We thank you that you are present and active in this place as we consider your word. This time is yours, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, good morning again. Good to see everybody. So far, you're surviving. You've made it this far. You're, you're surviving all the buildup and all the uh, excitement. And uh, this is, as a church, kind of what we've been focusing on <clears throat> this season is we've been calling it uh, anticipation, this anticipation for, uh, for the celebration of, of Jesus and Jesus coming into the world. And here we have a wreath that's almost fully on fire. And uh, we, you know, just all the things we do that builds this season up. And then there's the things that, the buildup that's not helpful to us, the parts that the pressure to get the good gift or the pressure of family and all the dynamics and these things can drag us down. But we consider the first Christmas, there was a beautiful buildup and anticipation that God intended as God was revealing himself to the world. There was all these promises that God had made that were being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And uh, one of the ways that God did this was through a series of prophets that God had his prophets, and his prophets were bringing his word to his people. And the prophets built the expectation of the coming Messiah. So here in this passage this morning, the, the, the reading from Deuteronomy, God makes a promise that he's going to raise up for the people a prophet like Moses. So there's a prophet like Moses who is coming, and God will put his words in that prophet's mouth. Now, I'll say this, there is, there is not a faith system on earth, there is not a philosophy, there is not any other religion that is anything like this in uh, our faith, in that God's plan was to use a series of prophets from the nation of Israel as he is increasing the understanding of who he is. So God, over so many years and through so many prophets, uh, continue to reveal his heart and his will and his word to his people over such a vast period of time. Uh, there's nothing like it in human history. Now, the context of this promise, it's, uh, so again, God is speaking through Moses. So Moses is acting as the prophet in this, in this context. And God is warning his people against things like sorcery and interpreting omens and witchcraft and casting spells. So God is saying, don't do any of those things. Don't use mediums or cons don't consult the dead. Don't do any of these things. Those things are detestable to me. Uh, you are not to do them. I am your God, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise up prophets, and I'm going to put my word in their mouth so that it's clear that it's from me. You don't need any spiritual guidance other than what I give you as God is revealing his heart, his saving work in the world to these prophets. And then following this passage, sort of how do you test and know if it's from God or not? And, and, and God gives some good instruction on that. But you don't need any guidance apart from what God is doing through these prophets. It, so God is saying, I'm going to raise up a prophet 
And throughout the history of Israel, there was a number of prophets, and they were raised up at different times and in different places, and they spoke God's word in different ways, but they were all pointing to something in the future. They were all pointing to a prophet, to the prophet, the ultimate prophet, Jesus. When Jesus came and he accomplished what he accomplished on earth, his followers were trying to explain to people that it had come, that it had happened. There was one of his disciples, one of Jesus' disciples named Peter. He he was out proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and he healed a man that was a cripple, and he was begging, and Peter heals him, and the people wanted to know what's going on. And he explained, he said, he, he quotes this same verse from Deuteronomy. He says that, you know, the Lord, you know, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you and your own people. You must listen to him. He's quoting this promise, and he says, indeed, All the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. He's saying, all that buildup, it's here. And it's here in Jesus and in his name. Or elsewhere in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. It's Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. Here's why this is an important message for us today. As we consider Christmas Eve day and we consider all that we celebrate, here's why this is important. When when God was unfolding his saving work in the world through a prophet like Moses, Do you remember how the people who were following Moses, so God's giving his message to the people through Moses. Do you remember how the people reacted to him? They were impatient people. They were ungrateful in spite of the great freedom that they had experienced. They were people who were prone to wander. They were prone to be uh, doubtful of God's goodness, even though God was at work in their midst. And think about Jesus. Now, not, not a message from God, but the message, God, in the flesh. God's message made human. Jesus comes to explain about God's kingdom and unfold God's saving work. And what were his followers like? At times, they were impatient. They were ungrateful for the deliverance they were experiencing. They were prone to wander. They were prone to doubt God in the midst of all the goodness that he was doing around them. So think about us. Consider ourselves. You know, life can be hard. We can get frustrated at times, and we can grow impatient. You know, God is at work in in our lives, but in the everyday frustrations of life, the setbacks we experience, we can be prone to lose sight of what God is doing. And what we need, what my heart needs, what all of our hearts need is to refocus, to remember, refocus on our Savior, the one who brings us true hope, freedom, and joy. Nothing could ever take that away and to be reminded of Jesus. So let's consider this together. But before we jump too far into it, I want to stop here and answer the question, 
you know, I, I've used the word prophet and prophecy. What do I really mean when I talk about prophecy? So prophecy, in the, in the biblical understanding of prophecy, is it's a, it's a message, a word, or an idea that's given from God to an individual that is then spoken into a specific context. And it could be spoken into a personal context. So it could be a message from God to an individual, or it could be a message from God to somebody that's spoken to a group of people or a nation of people. Prophecy is not necessarily predicting the future. We see examples of that in Scripture. More times, it's just a reiteration of what God has already said. It's more of a reminder or a warning. This will happen if you live this way because God's promises are true, both as a word of warning or as a word of encouragement and hope. So, and, we're, and you know, we consider a number of Old Testament prophets, but since the time of Jesus and Jesus gave his Holy Spirit to his followers, there was this understanding that prophecy was something that would be much wider known among God's people. And again, that was predicted by a prophet. The prophet Joel said, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. It's not just some narrow office of prophets, but that prophecy is something that all of God's people could experience by his spirit. And you, you actually may have experienced prophecy in your life, that you've spoken words of prophecy, that you might be in a conversation with somebody and a word just comes to you, or uh, words of scripture, words of encouragement, and you just feel compelled to speak them to somebody, or to a group of people. And you do that, and people have a strong sense, well, God was speaking through you to me, that God was using that. Or sometimes we experience it as we pray, and you might be praying for somebody, and you don't even know what to say, and you're just quietly saying, Lord, give me words to pray in this moment, and God opens your heart by his spirit to have words to even pray. It's something that we should seek to experience. It's good. It's helpful that God can speak to us in a way that we can communicate it to someone else. But we also, scripture is also clear, we need to be careful with this because we're all sinful people. We don't always hear God perfectly. So we need to be careful not to be people who go around the world saying, thus says the Lord to you, and then I, you know, give you a... Now, we need to have confidence that God wants to speak to us in ways that we can share with others. We also need to have the humility to know that uh, we don't always get it perfect, and we hold those things in tension and balance with one another. But the point here is that the prophet is just an instrument of God to communicate God's word to his people. That's how God used Moses, so God had... Un, you know, unfolding his way through Moses to the people, and then the promise was to raise up a prophet like Moses, the greatest prophet, the one who was to come, and that is Jesus. So how is Jesus a prophet like Moses? Because there's a lot of parallels between Jesus and Moses. So kids, this is where I need your help. Uh, or actually, we're going to just do this sort of game show style. So those of you sitting on the left are competing against those sitting on the right side, and I give double points if a, if a child answers the question. So two points if a kid answers, and you could decide if you're a kid, you know. And then one point for adult answers, 
and then adults can help kids. You can cheat. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. And I, I'll take the answer from either side. Okay. How is Jesus like Moses? So the first question is, how is Jesus like Moses in his birth? So around the birth of Jesus and around the birth of Moses, they both experienced something. And I'll give you a hint. It was read for us in the scripture. So it's on the back of your bulletin. But I'll take an answer from either side. Okay. Yeah, just you got to shout them out because it, it helps if you're sitting closer this time. But I'll think of the point here. Yeah, there was, they, they were, the babies were going to be killed. They both had essentially genocidal kings who wanted to wipe out the baby boys, and they both miraculously were survived that. So Jesus, um, his family was warned, and uh, they were able to escape, and Moses, you can read his story, you know. Okay, that's one. All right, one point. Um, Okay, this one's a little harder. Before, so we had Jesus and Moses. Before they started their public ministry, they both became very public Figures and they were interacting with uh, leaders. And before they did that, they both spent time away where? Wilderness, correct. All right, they were in the wilderness. Now, Moses was very famous for being in the wilderness, but, but, but the less famous was earlier in his life. He actually just ran away from his people, and he lived in a place called Midian, which is sort of a wasteland, nothing of a place. So we have um, uh, Moses in the the wilderness where God approached him and called him to go and go back and lead his people uh, out of slavery. And Jesus was out in the wilderness as God was preparing him and as he was um, preparing for his public ministry as well. So, okay. Third, I'll listen over here first in case we get it. If you were at the first service, this doesn't count. I, I see some of you. So you're not actually losing, um, but the other people sitting behind you are. Okay. Uh, How was Moses like Jesus in their occupation? So Moses actually had a job. Not just to be the son of the king, which he sort of was, which Jesus also very much is, but um, yes. Okay, I'm hearing two answers. I'm going to accept one of them. Very good guess. Uh, Moses was not a carpenter. He actually was a shepherd. And he worked for his father-in-law out in Midian, and he was tending sheep. And when Jesus came, Jesus said, I am what? The good shepherd. So here we have Moses the shepherd, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, very good. That's two points for a kid answering me. Try again. All right. (laughs) How is Jesus like Moses in terms of a country that they both left? Egypt, back here, one point for a deep voice on the left, on the right-hand side. So Egypt, yeah, that's right. So and it, again, that's in your text today here too. So it, Jesus has no business being in Egypt, and, but this is a detail of his life that's very clearly, as we're going to describe who this person is, that uh, Jesus and his family end up in Egypt, and they come up out of Egypt, and Jesus then brings deliverance to his people, and uh, Moses did the same thing. Okay. I don't know the score, but let's keep going. Uh, okay. What is the most... Okay, how is Jesus like Moses in the very most famous thing that Moses did? What's the very most famous thing? I'll actually accept two answers. 
What miracle in particular? Like a really famous one. Okay, you're also okay. Correct, everybody. That's right. When he when the Red Sea parted and he led the people out of that's a half half credit each. The the um, you guys are very competitive. Yeah. So we have Moses leading his people out in the Red Sea parts, and, and God is is bringing his people out of slavery into uh, um, into the into a promised land. Jewish people commemorate that. This is extra credit. No points for this. Commemorate uh, when, when God saved them and go out. They have a special feast that commemorates this. It's called what? Passover. Passover. So the, the, uh, the, the plague of death was coming, but the, they were, the people were called to sacrifice a lamb. And it was the blood of the lamb that covered over their house and, the, and death passed over their houses. And then they escaped and they remember that. Jesus, when he comes on the scene, his cousin named John the Baptist sees him and he says, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And on the cross, Jesus died and his blood was shed and his blood covers our sin so that death, as we put our faith in him, death has no power over us, that we live forever with him because of his blood. He, that, he is the ultimate Passover lamb and to bring us into the promised land in his presence and in, in heaven forever with him. So they're very much the same. What is the second most famous thing Moses is known for, besides the parting of the Red Sea and going out? Ten Commandments. Two points for the enthusiasm. I have no idea. Yeah, Ten Commandments. So God is making a deal, a covenant promise with his people, but it is a covenant of law. So here's Moses holding the, the two tablets, and, and he brings God's law to his people. He's the... He's the go-between. He's the mediator of this covenant. This is what Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 9, 15 says, Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. So just like Moses, new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So basically this covenant of law, Moses, you know, um, brings God's law to the people, but God's people violate that law. That's sin, and we all violate that law. Jesus came to free us from, from violating that law. He brings the forgiveness that we can be set free from that. So very much, I think that was a tie. Maybe this side got an extra point. So um, The point is, Jesus is like Moses in all these ways, and the people of Jesus' day recognized it. So Jesus had just performed this great miracle feeding uh, many people, and they said this, John chapter 6, says, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. They had been waiting for it, and there was this promise to Moses and through all these other prophets, and surely it was Jesus. So then the question is, so what? So a lot of Bible scholars here got a lot of good answers. We got some interesting answers on those questions. You might say, I'm not familiar with Moses. I'm not, I don't, what, what does this all mean for me? Here's the point. The first is this. Listen to him. Look at verse 19 in your text. It's on the back of your bulletin. It says, I myself God speaking here. 
I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Listen to the words that the prophet speaks. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, it was this moment where we call it the transfiguration. It was this moment where the heavenly realm and the earthly realm were open to each other, and Jesus was seen in all of his glory. And the voice from heaven speaks. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. We can listen to his word and have confidence in his word. First of all, all the prophecy predicting the Christ were fulfilled in Jesus. And everything Jesus said about his own life and what would happen came to be. And everything that he said about the future, which he said will happen, is certain and sure to happen. We need to listen to this. And for us, you know, we get... Seasons like Christmas and New Year's and times and, you know, milestones like birthdays and things. And we, we think about our lives and we think, you know, am I doing the right things? Am I accomplishing what do I need to accomplish in life? And what is the purpose of what I've experienced this year? But here's the good news. Jesus has come. The prophet has come to, to show us what life is about, to, to, to show us the way that we don't have to just wander and guess if we're doing the right things, but he has shown it to us and we can listen to him and know it. And then we, the second thing is we take it the next step. Not only do we just listen to it, but we fix our hearts and we fix our minds on his word. We become obsessed with what Jesus has showed us. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest who we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Again, there's another Jesus-Moses thing. They're both faithful, but here's the difference. Verse 5, Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope in which we boast. The point there is we focus on Jesus, the one who's Lord over all of us. We can have hope and we can have courage. Or Hebrews 12 says it like this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary or lose heart. This is a very practical matter for us because it is so easy to lose heart. It is so easy to become discouraged. But as we consider Jesus, as we consider what he accomplished on the cross, as we consider his word, we can have hope and not grow weary. There's all kinds of lies that you can believe about who God is and who you are and what gives your life value and maybe it's the things that discourage you or whatever it is for you. We can focus on the truth and not believe these same lies. How do you do it? You've got to know his word. You've gotta, we, we've got to be in his word. We're going to be reading the Bible and considering Jesus and uh, 
you know, this is a time of year where people drop old habits or pick up new habits. If you don't have a habit of just meditating on, on God's word and meditating on, on scripture, this is a great time of year. Just pick up that habit. You know, if your celebration of Christmas with your family doesn't include just reading of God's word of what Jesus did, bring that into your tradition or, 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 or uh, bring it back into your tradition. We need to remind ourselves who was Jesus? What did he accomplish so that we don't lose heart? Now, you might be sitting there saying, hey, pastor, I've had a pretty good year. I don't feel like I'm losing heart. And uh, why are you such a downer on Christmas? Come on. That's fine. Um, maybe you've had a good year. But have you had a perfect year? What about this month? Have you had a perfect month? Maybe December? Has December just been a perfect December? That's kind of taller. Okay, how about today? Has it just been a perfect day so far? Everything's just, it's not even noon yet. Has it been perfect? We have, um, well, I say there's probably three types of people in this room. There's those of you who are in kind of a crisis of life right now. There's those of you who are just, that's the first group. The second group is people just kind of coming out of a crisis. And the third is the group of people, you're heading into a crisis and you don't even know it yet. That's probably just about all of us. That's the reality. And it can be so easy to lose heart. Life is hard, but you're not alone, and God is accomplishing his good purposes, and we just need to remind ourselves that. Let me finish with this verse again. This is from Hebrews chapter 12. Just hear these words. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen.